0: Hello, I'm Kirk Point, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. We're pleased at BIV to present this series of podcasts this week on the future of education, the classroom for all ages, for students and instructors. is going to be much different in the pandemic, and our guests this week are going to discuss how it will be so. We thank the British Columbia Institute of Technology, BCIT, for its support of this series. And now to the conversation. Thanks for joining us today on our special BIB series this week on education, the impact of the pandemic and the direction of learning in the classroom. I'm Kirk Lapointe, publisher and editor in chief of business in Vancouver. My guest sits atop the tier one university in our city, our most prominent university actually in Western Canada, and he's just been reappointed to a second term. It's going to be a different one than much of his first five years. So I look forward today to my discussion with the president of University of British Columbia, Santa Ono. Thanks for joining me today. My pleasure. Uh, congratulations on the appointment. Thank uh, you very much. Guess you couldn't find anything better. Is there any better job than this? I don't think so. UBC is a great institution and its
1: trajectory is impressive. And uh, I've loved uh, coming back to Vancouver, where I was born.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're, you're, you're a home, uh, you're a native come home. Um, when, you, uh, when you can look back about six months now, on how the landscape has changed. How surprised have you been at what has come to pass? Well, the
1: first thing I I need to say is that it's really illustrated how unprepared Western civilization is for pandemics. And uh, even UBC that, as you know, uh, isolated and sequenced the SARS virus genome first in the world and was instrumental in developing one of the vaccines you would think that uh, we would have everything uh, taken care of as a university, as a province. And as you know, we've done pretty well um, relative to other metropolitan areas of similar size. Uh, the number of cases here are much lower even though we were one of the early uh, cities to, to be affected with uh, COVID-19. And so we've done pretty well, uh, but um, as you know, we're not out of the woods yet and uh, there have been uh, recent spikes in a number of cases and uh, we have to be ready for the winter and what might happen with the second wave then. So, um, you know, I would have not been surprised, but I think it's really illustrated the importance of research, the importance of our public health school and uh, all universities in in getting it right and doing better next time around. Um, And I think that's really an opportunity. So I'm not surprised, but I think that that illustrates a part of our responsibility as a research university. I'd say to answer your question, the one thing that surprised me was uh, how resilient and resourceful our faculty at ubc have been in transitioning essentially overnight uh, from largely face-to-face instruction to almost completely remote uh, yeah. in just a matter of days and uh, that's happening at universities around the world as you know but ubc did it i think uh, pretty seamlessly uh, and better than most uh, as you know some uh, institutions that have fewer resources in term- and a, a shorter track record In remote and distance education, weren't able to transition as as easily as UBC was. So I was surprised and and pleasantly surprised with uh, how well both our faculty and staff, but also our students have
0: been in that transition. I want to talk a little bit a little later on about uh, what kind of uh, classroom or non-classroom or remote learning that we'll have here in the near term. But I want to ask a bit of a personal question on, on what you feel you've been able to apply from your career and even your first four plus years on the job during this really critical period of enormous transformation?
1: Well, I'd say that, um, you know, it's almost now a decade that I've been a university president. I was president of another institution, a large uh, public research university in the state of Ohio, the university of Cincinnati. And so, um, I had already experienced significant challenges when I was there, budgetary, uh, which uh, we had to deal with as as UBC this year, but also in terms of significant uh, fast-breaking situations. Um, And so that really prepared me well uh, for the sort of shock that we've all experienced in terms of COVID-19. I've experienced, when you experience something in the past, uh, you develop a thicker skin and also. Uh, You uh, understand how to react and and you realize that people are watching how you react to a situation. And so one of the most important things to to do as a leader is uh, to appear calm um, and to um, to be consultative uh, and to connect with all stakeholders. And I think I learned that from from my past and brought that with me during this uh, pandemic. So I think an outsider would look
0: at a university and say that it, it is very steeped in tradition. It therefore likely moves at a pace that is much more reflective, contemplative, You know, isn't really jittery or any of that. But how, how do you think the functional systems of the university are changing this school year?
1: I think that we've learned a lot from the past uh, several months. Uh, I think that uh, some of it actually may result in some cost savings in terms of how we go about uh, doing our work. Um, one of the surprises has been that uh, uh, our efficiency um, as an institution has really increased during this time. And I'm sure you, you've also experienced this uh, as, as the publisher of, of, of a very important uh, uh, newspaper, that, uh, um, that we've been surprised how efficiently we can do things remotely. Uh, and uh, that uh, has implications of how we use space space is very expensive uh, it's at a premium here on the vancouver and okanagan campuses and so we've realized that a lot of the people that take up office space uh, on both campuses can do just as well even better at home and that has implications for their work-life balance Mm -hmm. as well as for space utilization on campus so i think in the months and the year ahead we'll really take a look at our utilization of space and uh, and uh, you know, leverage that uh, in terms of uh, cost efficiencies.
0: You know, what have you done so far in terms of, say, arresting some projects or any kind of development as, as giving you a bit of a breathing space to understand what those new needs might one day be?
1: Well, I think one of the good things uh, about uh, this situation is that it really forces us to really think about our core priorities. Uh, and as a university, teaching, uh, research um, are really at the core of, of what we do. We also serve the province and the city in terms of healthcare. As you know, most of the healthcare providers uh, were trained at UBC or are on staff at, at UBC. And so um, those are our top priorities. Uh, and uh, when you have a situation like this, uh, you really have to think about uh, what has to happen and uh, what is nice to have, if you will. Uh, and so we have taken concrete steps to really focus our resources and our energies on our core priorities. And uh, we are uh, really looking at uh, the bottom line to ensure that we don't move forward with very expensive projects that we might be able to delay so that we are sure that we have the resources to support our faculty, students and staff. So that, that's one of the good things uh, that, I, that I can say has,
0: has, has come from this pandemic. We were talking before we started. I mean, my daughter's a, a scientist overseas, but and and she can work ostensibly from home, but she needs to have access to her university laboratory. Uh, she still needs to go in. What what will you think will be the mix of students on campus doing some work at the university this fall and the rest remotely learning? So.
1: Um... The decisions have been made over the past couple of months, and, and the first thing I'll say is in terms of research and laboratories, since you bring it up, um, that's a very major activity at, at UBC. We have about $660 million direct costs, but if you factor in all the all the costs with personnel, it's almost a billion dollars of research a year mm. at UBC. So we're one of the largest research universities in the world, um, and, and so uh, we have been... Uh, Uh, Research was curtailed for some time for safety reasons We've already started to phase in in a prioritized way research. We never closed down Uh, You may know that we were the number one university in canada in terms of research funding for COVID, Uh, And we're doing all kinds of research uh, from antibody therapeutics to small molecule identifications block The virus infection of cells epithelial cells. We're also uh, generating made in canada n95 uh, masks, so we're involved in ppe and uh, so we're doing all kinds of things. That research never stopped. Um, but uh, we're already phasing in uh, in a prioritized way of research. In terms of the actual rest of the campus, in terms of teaching, in terms of students and residents, um, to, to answer your question, um, much of our large classes will be del- delivered remotely. Uh, that's just simply because we don't have, because they're large, we don't have spaces that are large enough. to to abide by the physical distancing requirements that are now in place. And so those large classes will have to be done uh, remotely. Some of the smaller classes and some of the instruction that requires uh, uh, close interaction, not physically, but uh, theater and music, uh, some other programs will have a a face-to-face component. So um, I would say that's what teaching will look like. In terms of residence halls, um, we will see a significant drop in the number of first-year students. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of our large first-year residences that are relatively high density like vanier and totem will not actually be open And so the first year students that are actually on campus will be in uh, very uh, modern uh, Residences such as orchard commons where single occupancy uh, per room and that there's just one bathroom per two individuals and they'll be uh, uh, observing regular hygiene and, 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 and uh, cleanliness uh, protocols to ensure Uh, did they say?
0: Were you a little surprised that students still wanted to come to campus, even though they really can't all the time take their classes? Well,
1: it's it's actually a mixed bag. There are some students and there are some parents who don't want their their uh, children uh, to 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 be on campus. And Mm -hmm. so there there's that group. I'm not surprised. You know, when you survey students across Canada, as has been done, and we have focus group uh, conversations as well with our students, both incoming and, and returning, I'm not surprised. Uh, they It's really clear from all those surveys that students uh, want to be on campus. It might be that they want to be away from home, but it's uh, it's also that uh, a university experience is not just uh, receiving information. It's not just information transfer. It's actually those casual encounters that occur. Uh, in departments and hallways and residence halls on campus as you're walking around with faculty, staff, and students. And that's something that uh, you can't really replicate uh, at a distance.
0: No, you can't develop your network um, over Zoom necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. You know? um, so I wanted to then talk about the, this, this online learning because I think there remains some skepticism in the way there probably was about skepticism of working remotely, period, uh, in this time. Do you think there will be some trade-offs for the student?
1: Oh, definitely. Um, as, as we just finished uh, saying, there are things that you can't, can't replicate. But I can tell you I'm proud of the faculty and staff and students that have been working very hard over the past several weeks and months to really be innovative about uh, remote instruction. So it's not going to just be a PowerPoint presentation and a recording of a professor. Um, there's, it's going to be much more interactive. Uh, We're we're fortunate at UBC. We were one of the founding members of edX, so we have one of the most uh, robust and um, most contemporary instructional design teams. It's actually quite large. Uh, We have studios on campus um, and we've invested as an institution about thirty six million dollars in the transition. So we're doing everything we can to make sure that uh, the instruction that is provided remotely is of the highest standard
0: and, and how do you think the role of the instructor will change in all of this? Uh, you know, I've, I've been an adjunct at the university for 15 years now, and, and there was a time when we used to transmit our information, and it was it was just a received lecture of some sort. And all of that has, of course, changed in the last 15 years, where it's now much more of a discussion that takes place in the classroom. What will be the the new model for the instructor?
1: Well, I've taught all my life for several decades, and uh, I love it, and I miss not being able to do it uh, on a regular basis, but I still teach classes at at the institution. I try to teach in multiple faculties every year as a guest lecturer, so I still have uh, an idea of how this will impact uh, members of of our professoriate. Um, I think that uh, uh, from my experience and also talking to to my fellow professors at the institution, that um, it's actually... Uh, significantly more work. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're you're constantly wired. Uh, Students uh, are uh, increasingly contacting you at every time of the day. It used to be when there was no internet, when I taught at Johns Hopkins, that I would just hear from them during office hours. Now I get emails in the middle of the night. Um, And uh, there is uh, with this Amazon kind of a a culture, an expectation now that people respond immediately. So I can tell you that uh, for the instructor, uh, this kind of situation uh, that might actually result in much more work than uh, face-to-face instruction.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there will be an expectation that you're available anytime and that you're, you're, you're capable of dealing one-to-one. And that, that is one of those things that will be a, a challenge is to kind of keep that one-to-one relationship with, uh, with students and, and professors. Uh, have you got any sense yet about what the impact is going to be on university finances this year?
1: Well, um, we've modeled what might happen. We won't really know exactly what's going to happen until mid to late September. Um, I can tell you that uh, unlike many of our peers, UBC, in terms of the numbers of applications and the numbers of students that have accepted offers, that uh, we're at uh, a normal level of actually outperforming previous years. So in terms of uh, everything we can look at right now, in terms of student numbers and enrollment, it's very robust. And, and UBC as you know has a pretty long waiting list as well uh, people who have not been accepted that are admissible And so UBC is actually in, in a pretty strong position in terms of enrollment uh, Where we might take a hit is uh, as I as I explained some of our first-year students won't want to come on campus so there'll be lost revenue in terms of students paying for housing and for meal plans and that so the total uh, amount of the financial hit, which will be in the order of let's let's say 125 to 220 million, on a three billion dollar budget, the exact number uh, won't be clear until later in September.
0: Yeah, yeah. In terms of uh, the university's, um, I mean, I think one of the great things about the university has been its uh, aspiration to produce global citizens. You know, it's been it's been so clear about that for for a long time. Uh, and international students play a phenomenal role in that. How much of a setback will there be this year in terms of that momentum with the international students, you know, and, and, and does it mean that it's going to take two or three years afterward to perhaps recapture that level that you want?
1: Yes, there certainly be an impact. And, and I said that not only as president of UBC, but also a member of the board of Fulbright. Uh, mm-hmm. We're all uh, scrambling. Uh, thinking about how to provide that experience uh, when students actually cannot study abroad, um, and uh, it's a damper on what uh, the Governor General, David, former Governor General David Johnston, he, he struck a committee I was on it uh, to try to increase the number of Canadian uh, university students actually having an international experience, and, and vice versa, welcoming international students either for a degree or for some short period of time. Onto our campuses. So that was really part of the plan. It was a good plan And as you say, it's really focused on global citizenship. So there will be a setback Um, There will be fewer students who can do that That being said UBC is really being a leader in thinking about something called the virtual Global virtual classroom. Mm -hmm. And so we're part of uh, international consortia that are thinking about delivering uh, classes uh, between partner international universities involving professors from multiple international universities to co-teach certain courses. So UBC is really being a pioneer in the concept of a global virtual classroom. It won't be exactly the same. It it, it won't be like you're in in Pisa and you can see the Leaning Tower, or you're in Tokyo and you can see uh, the Imperial Gardens. You you can do that virtually, uh, but it's
0: not the same. Yeah. Uh, The human psyche is such uh, an unusual creature. Um, Does all this last until there's a vaccine?
1: Well, you know, many, many universities at UBC and around the world, as you know, hundreds of thousands of actually laboratories, but hundreds of vaccines are are under uh, clinical trials right now, some in phase three. Uh, and so there's guarded optimism that uh, perhaps at the end of this year or early in Q1 that there will be a vaccine. But the one thing that people have to realize is that... Uh, uh, it's very unlikely that uh, that will be made available to everyone broadly. Uh, and uh, and there will have to be a prioritization as to who gets vaccinated first. Um, and, and even uh, with a vaccine that has gone through phase three clinical trials, it's not yet clear how uh, robust that will be and how long the immunity will last in, in, in a vaccinated individual. So there's a lot of question marks. And so I don't think we will be out of the woods uh, in a year. Uh, it'll be probably a couple of years. Uh, and so we're in for this uh, physical distancing and wearing masks uh, when in crowded s- indoor spaces all that we're, we're gonna have to live that for some time and uh, we're gonna have to uh, work remotely uh, for some period of time So we won't be out of the woods for some some period of time
0: a couple of last questions. And uh, I mean, obviously you can see uh, what's taking place with governments providing uh, fiscal support uh, to individuals to companies obviously even to and, and providing a lot of a lot more uh, uh, development research funds into the post-secondary field in order to basically, uh, you know, help, help the science around COVID. Um, but I wonder what you think will have to change in terms of the relationship of, uh, of the university to provincial funding when, you know, it's, it's apparent that at some point governments have got to stop that flow and find a way to even reverse it a little.
1: Well, I'm very, very grateful for the robust and wavering support of our Minister Melanie Mark and our Premier in post-secondary in BC, um, and we are in regular conversations about yes, how to think about our partnership. Um, I think the the future, the the restart of the BC economy is going to really require universities uh, doing even more, rolling up their sleeves, and and thinking about their role in in, in, in talent. Uh, um, and in and, and providing talent for, for businesses, uh, for each of the different professions. And I think that uh, through our membership in, in organizations such as the Business Higher Education Roundtable, that uh, UBC will be very much part of, of that new paradigm of, of partnership between government, between industry and, and universities. Universities, I should say, however, have to be places where um, you know, fundamental inquiry and research occurs. As you know, those vaccines that we're so dependent upon uh, require universities such as UBC and Johns Hopkins, Imperial, Harvard, uh, doing fundamental research. Uh, Only in understanding the the immune system uh, can you develop uh, new responses to viruses that are very tricky. And so uh, it's really important for me as president of UBC to say, yes, we have to think about different ways to partner. But it's very important for me, as president of UBC, to articulate the importance of fundamental inquiry, because that's the foundation for the cures that, that all of society uh,
0: need. So what I hear you saying is that you, you want to resist a little bit of the pressure uh, for, for kind of a commercial model to, to much more emerge at a university. And it also sounds like you're not as worried as, as perhaps some might be that Provincial funding funding in particular might wither a little bit
1: You know, we've had very very uh, Honest and transparent conversations. So with the premier the deputy premier with the minister of advanced education and uh, I presented in front of uh, budget hearing committees and 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 I got to tell you that that The province here the provincial government uh, really understands the importance of education the post-secondary sector We're very grateful for that Um, I'm not going to say I'm going to resist anything. I'm just going to simply for the for the good of British Columbians for for civilization It's really important not to shortchange innovation Because it's on that innovation that the prosperity of of this province and and of British Columbians Depends and uh, it's my responsibility to, to say so it's also my responsibility as you've heard me say on things such as CBC ideas that um, some people might say what's the the importance of humanities and social sciences well i i, I argue that um teaching uh, ethics uh, the importance of of social good is incredibly important because we're educating the future leaders of this nation and other nations and uh, the decisions that, that they make uh, have will have significant consequences for peace and justice in in, in in this world for years to come. So that has to continue at yeah. universities.
0: Last last point, uh, um, you know, have, and you may not want to speculate on this, but we have nearly two dozen degree-granting institutions in this province. Would we expect, naturally, for there to be a bit of a shakeout as a result of the pandemic on, on which ones are going to flourish and which ones are going to... Uh, Suffer a little bit, you know, which courses might be eliminated and faculties that would have to be rolled in certain cases You know, is there is there a restructuring you think about to take place? Well,
1: it's something that's not new as you know, uh, our Okanagan campus was a different institution uh, Mm -hmm. And it became part of UBC and I think it's been a tremendous success I'm not advocating for more of that, but that's really a provincial decision for advanced education uh, UBC uh, really cares about province. We want to be part of uh, the future, of thinking about the future, and we will do everything we can to support uh, the Premier, the Deputy Premier, the Minister of Advanced Education and and this province. So we'll be active participants in any dialogue that uh, that comes forward.
0: I, I see you online uh, with your cello uh, every other day or so. Uh, you know, you're prob- you've probably gone through much of your repertoire now. Um, what I, have else more we coming. I have more coming. <laughs> you you have more coming okay good good uh, what else are you doing to uh, keep yourself sane here
1: Well one of the blessings I would say uh, has been that I get to spend more time with my wife. We just celebrated our 31st anniversary okay. and with my, with good. my kids uh, a, lot, a lot of families are back together again because their university students are, are back at home and uh, they get on each other's nerves every now and then, but I I count it as a blessing. And uh, it's been, that's been one of the silver linings of the past several months is spending more time with my wife and my family.
0: Well, maybe by staying another five years, you get to see a Stanley Cup in uh, in Vancouver too, who knows? They're doing pretty well, who knows? Yeah. Good to see you. Thanks a lot for your time today, Santo Ono. Oh, Thank you very much, all the best. Santa Ono is the president of University of British Columbia. You've been watching our special series on education this week at business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk Lapointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. We'll see you again.